Good morning. If you would, open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, today we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 22, but the verse that we're really going to be focusing on is verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. As you're turning there, I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever went camping? A lot of people have went camping, yeah, pretty much everybody has. Now, how hard was it for you to get the campfire lit? If you don't have the right tools, it's going to be pretty hard for you to light the campfire. Because what's going to happen? If you don't bring the right tools with you, you're going to be rubbing two sticks together, trying to light it that way. And that's just going to take a lot of time. It's going to be very hard to light a fire, but it's very easy to light a fire when you have the correct tools to light the fire. And it's very easy to keep the fire going when you have the right tools. You know, if you have matches or a flint or some sort of fire starter and tinder, it'll be very easy for you to light the fire. It'll be very easy for you to keep it going. You'll have a good campfire going. Now... If you think about that campfire going, one that's lit, how hard is it to put it out? It's going to be very easy to put it out if you have water or you can use sand or dirt to smother the fire. You see, a campfire or any type of fire can be hard to light. It can be hard to keep it going in certain circumstances, but it's real easy to put them out. Now, speaking of fire, what about the fire of the Holy Spirit within you? The spiritual fire that we're all to have as Christians. When you think about that fire being lit within you, that's something that God does. As soon as we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within us and we have the Holy Spirit's fire within us. What about keeping it lit? Keeping it going. Extinguishing it. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Again, if you would, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. It's written, Now we beseech you, brethren, that ye acknowledge them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, that ye have them in singular love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. We desire you, brethren, admonish them that are out of order. Comfort the feeble-minded, bear with the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none recompense evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both toward yourselves and toward all men. Rejoice evermore, pray continually, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus toward you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, try all things and keep that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. We just thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the sunshine as well as the rain that you bless us with. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us today as we worship. Lord, help us just to take what we learned today, apply it into our daily walk. And Lord, again, I just pray that if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that you would just speak to their hearts today. Lord, be with those that are sick and shut in, those that could not make it today, those that may be traveling, those that have lost loved ones. We just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with me today and give me the words to say. And just lift up your word, Lord, and help us just to learn from it and apply it into our daily walk. And Lord, I just pray that you would just be with us, that you would overshadow us, and that you would just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Look real quick back at verse 19. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, quench not the spirit. So in this verse, what we see is Paul is giving a command to this church at Thessalonica He's saying, do not quench the spirit that's at work within the church, within your life. Do not put out the spiritual fire that you have. But if you look back, starting with verse 12, and you go from verse 12 all the way to verse 22, what you have is commands given to this church that will help them to keep that fire going. That's what we see, is commands that will help the church at Thessalonica to keep the fire going. So he's telling them, do not put out the Spirit's fire, but he also gives them commands to help them to keep the fire going. And that's what we see. Pretty much he's saying, do not douse this fire. Do not put it out. Keep the fire that is burning within you, keep it burning and and be on fire for God. And this is what we see in verses 12 through 22. He's giving them commands that they can use to keep the fire, to keep that fire going. And he gives general commands to the church, but then he also gives sort of an individual commands as well that they can use to keep the fire going within the church. And if you look at verses 12 through 13, look at what he says. Now we beseech you, brethren, that you acknowledge them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, that ye have them in singular love for their work's sake, be at peace among yourselves. In these two verses, what he's looking at is the relationship between the congregation and the leadership of the church. The relationship between the congregation and the leadership of the church. And what he's saying is is that the congregation is to respect the leadership in the church. But if you think about this command, it goes both ways. Because look at what he says. 
You acknowledge them that which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you that you have them in senior love for their work's sake. So they're to respect the leadership, they're to respect the work that they do, but at the same time, the leadership should be working. Pretty much, if you want to gain people's respect, you must do things that are respectable. So he's telling them not only to respect the leadership, but he's also implying that the leaders need to be working. That they need to be doing the job to which they are called. Because if you think about it, if the leaders are not doing what God has called them to do, if they're not working within the church, how can the congregation respect them? And what happens? If the congregation doesn't respect the leadership, if the leadership is not working, what have they done to the fire of the Holy Spirit within the church? They've put it out. They've put it out. So not only are the people to respect the leaders and their work, the leaders are to work. But also, he also says that they are to be at peace among themselves. Not only are the people to respect one another and to work, they're also to be at peace within the church. There's not to be infighting in the church. Because infighting can also put out the fire of the Holy Spirit within the church. The church could respect their leaders, the leaders could be working, but what happens if the people within the church are bickering and fighting over everything? That's going to put out the fire as well. There needs to be peace within the church. And then he moves on and he starts talking about the individual people within the church and how they are to be treated. Look at what he says in verses 14 and 15. We desire you, brethren, admonish them that are out of order, comfort the feeble-minded, bear with the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none recompense evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both toward yourself and toward all men. The Christians are to admonish those that are out of order. Basically, those that are idle. Those that are not doing anything. Admonish them. Why? Because they're to be reminded of their Christian duty. And what is our duty as a Christian? We're to obey the commands of Jesus Christ. And what has Christ called us to do? He has called us to work for him. So they're to be admonished if they're idle. But he also says that they are to comfort the feeble-minded, basically encourage those that are timid. Those that don't want to go out and do anything. Encourage them. If someone says, well, I don't want to go visit anybody because I'm scared to do that, encourage them. We're to encourage those that are timid so that they will work for the Lord. But then he also says that they are to bear with the weak. Basically help those that are spiritually weak. 
because you're going to have those three types of people within the church. You're going to have those that are idle. You're going to have those that are timid. And then you're going to have those that are spiritually weak. Basically, they continue to keep falling into sin. They're weak spiritually. We're to bear with them. We're to help them. Remind them that they are not to live that way. Help the spiritually weak. But then look at what he says. That they are to be patient. Be patient toward all men. Be patient with everyone. All the different types of people you have within the church. Be patient with them. And help them. As they try to grow in the faith. Because what would be the first thing we would want to do if we see someone that's idle? We're going to want to get after them. We're to admonish them in love. Because if you think about it, how can we be patient with all people? Patience comes from love. Patience comes from love. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. What does Paul say? He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Paul tells us that love is patient, and we are to be patient, and we are patient out of love. You see, Christians are not to want any other Christian to stumble and fall. We're to help them. We're to help them to grow. We're to help them to to not be idle. We're to help them to not be timid. We're to help them to, to not be spiritually weak. But to do this, we've got to be patient. Patient as we help. And love helps us to be patient. And when we do these things, what happens? We're helping to tend the fire within the church. We're not dousing it. We're using the tools that God has given us to keep the fire going within the church. The fire of the Holy Spirit, we're to continue to tend that fire as a church. But then look at what he says in verse 15. See that none recompense evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both toward yourselves and toward all men. If someone wrongs us, what's the first thing that we want to do? We want to get them back. But is that what Christ has told us to do? If someone takes something from us, we're to give them our cloak also. We're not to recompense evil for evil. We're to leave all of that to God. God will repay. We're to show love at all times. 
We're not to pay back evil for evil. Instead, we're to show love. Now, here's the thing. That's going to be hard. That's going to be real hard. But what happens if we show evil for evil? What are we doing to the fire of the Holy Spirit within the church? What are we doing to the fire of the Holy Spirit within ourselves? We're putting it out. We're smothering it. See that none recompense evil for evil unto any. See that? Any man. Anyone. We're not to do that to anyone. Because that's not what Christ has commanded us to do. But we're to ever follow that which is good, both toward yourselves and toward all men. He didn't say just the people that treat you okay. Just the people that are your friends. We're not to recompense evil for evil, even to our enemies. We're to show love, the love of Christ, to all. And that's going to be hard. Especially when someone has wronged you. But, after he gives us this command, he says something else. Look at what he says. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. You know, Paul now has moved into the individual behaviors. As a church, we're to respect the leaders. The leaders are to work. As a church, we're to keep the peace within the church. As a church, we're to admonish the timid. We're to help those that are, or we're to admonish the idle. We're to encourage the timid. And then we are to be patient toward all men. We're to comfort or help and bear with those that are weak in the spirit. We're not to show evil for evil. But then he goes on and he starts to talk about what we can do as an individual. And if we're not wanting to recompense evil for evil, the first thing he says is rejoice evermore. Have joy in your heart. Now why would he say that? Right after he tells us not to recompense evil for evil, why would he say rejoice evermore? Because when we have joy in our heart, that joy that only God can give us, we're not going to want to show evil for evil. We're going to be filled with the joy of God. Remember, he's talking about how we are to keep the spiritual fire lit. Are we keeping the spiritual fire lit or are we putting it out? Are we dousing it with water? Are we smothering it with dirt? Or are we sitting there tending the fire at all times? That fire within the church, but also the fire within our life. 
You see, the Lord gives us spiritual light and we are to keep it lit, we are to keep it burning. We're not to recompense evil for evil. When someone is evil or shows us evil, we are to show them good. And even in times of that, we're to rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice at all times. You see, when you look in at verses 16 through 20, he starts to talk about, pretty much, he starts to cover the inner attitudes. The attitudes that we are to have on the inside. The responsibility that we have as Christians and the integrity that we are to have as Christians. Because we're always to show that we belong to Jesus Christ. We're to keep that spiritual fire going. That's fire that is within us. Not only are we to show outward joy, we're to have inward joy. Inward joy. An inner joy that only God can give us. Now, why would we be joyful in all times, in all things? How can this joy help us as a Christian? Because it's the joy only God can give. It's joy that we have because we belong to God. We belong to Him. Our sins are forgiven. We have eternal life. We're not only to have external joy and have a smile on our face, we're to have an inward joy that only God can give. That's what's going to help us within the church. That's what's going to help us when someone wrongs us. I mean, think about Paul. Think about all the things that happened to Paul. He had an inner joy that could never be put done away with. I mean, for instance, look at what happened when, when, they, when Paul and Silas was at Philippi. They had been beaten and they were chained up and thrown in prison, and what were they doing? Paul and Silas, with the joy that God had given them, they were singing praises to God. Singing praises to God after they had been beaten. That's a joy only God can give. They wasn't thinking about recompensing evil for evil in that. They were using the joy that God had given them. And then when God sent the earthquake that popped open the doors and the jailer comes in there trembling, serves, what must I do to be saved? Paul didn't say, get out of here because you were the one that beat us. Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's the joy that God gives. A joy that overcomes evil. A joy that overcomes when someone has wronged us. We're to rejoice in Christ and rejoice always. And then Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. 
Pray continually. Always have a prayer on our heart and in our mind. Now, why would Paul tell us that? Remember, we're looking at keeping the spiritual fire lit. Tending that fire that the Holy Spirit has lit within us. I want you to think about something. When we pray, what's on our mind? The fact that we're in the presence of God. When we pray, we remember that we're in the presence of God. But I want you to think about something. We never leave his presence. God is everywhere present. Everywhere we go, God is there. We never leave his presence. We never leave his gaze. But when we pray, we're reminded that we are in his presence. So what Paul tells us, he says, pray always, pray without ceasing. Because when we pray without ceasing, when we always have a prayer on our mind and a prayer in our heart, we're going to always remember we are in the presence of God. And when we remember we're in the presence of God, we're going to act like we are in the presence of God. We're not going to do anything that's going to stifle the Spirit. Because... Praying always, praying always will help us to maintain an attitude that we are in God's presence. Because that's what we must remember. It's a reminder that God is near us and that we are near to him. But praying always gives us another reminder that we're to always be in a spirit of worship. Worship to God. A spirit of thanksgiving. A spirit of praise. But it also helps us to remember to pray for ourselves and to pray for others. Have a prayer in our heart at all times. Be mindful that you are in the presence of God and that you are always near him and he is near to you. That's why Paul tells us to pray continually. It helps keep the fire burning as we're reminded we are always in the presence of God. But then he also tells us, you know, he's saying rejoice. Then he tells us to pray. And then he says, in all things give thanks. In all things give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus towards us. This goes back to where he says, do not recompense evil for evil. 
Because if you think about it, how hard is it to give thanks when something bad happens to us? It's going to be very hard. But we're to give thanks to God. We're to have a thankful spirit towards God and give thanks to God at all times, whether good or bad is happening to us. Because whether the good is happening or the bad is happening, God is always in control. He's on his throne. And we're to give thanks to God at all times and in all things. Think about Peter and John in the book of Acts. They had been called before the Sanhedrin. They had been you know, threatened and beaten. And what, what did they do whenever they left? They praised God that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. Going back to Paul and Silas at Philippi, being beaten and shackled in jail, they were singing psalms and praising God. We're to praise God not only when the good things are happening, we're to praise God when also the bad times are upon us. Because God is in control. He has eminence in all things. We're to give thanks to God at all times. Because in giving thanks to God, that helps us to tend the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're going to skip verse 19 for a second. Look at verses 20 through 22. He says, Despise not prophesying, try all things, and keep that which is good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. These are commands that deal with spiritual integrity. Spiritual integrity. Despise not prophesying. Do not despise the expounding of the word of God. But you can also look at it as also saying, do not despise spiritual gifts, the gifts that God has given. Do not despise these things because they were given by God and were to not despise them. But then he also says, Try all things and keep that which is good. Test all things. How do we test all things? If it goes against the word of God, don't do it. That's how you test it. If it's going to grieve the Holy Spirit, don't do it. If you know that it's sinful, don't do it. If you know it goes against God, don't do it. That's how we test all things. But it also goes to the fact that when we try all things, we can see things that people are doing and we know whether those things are good or evil because as a Christian, we are to have the Holy Spirit within us and we are to use the illumination that the Holy Spirit gives us. To discern good from evil, right from wrong. We know what is good. 
We know what is wrong, and we know what goes against God and his word. And if it goes against God and his word, don't do it, because it's evil. And that's what Paul is telling us. Try all things, and then look at what he says, and keep that which is good. He didn't say dabble in something sinful. If you want the Holy Spirit to stay lit within the church, if you want the Holy Spirit to stay lit within your life, don't do something that will grieve Him. Don't do something that goes against the Word of God. Look at what it is. Try all things against the Word of God. Pretty much test it against the word, look at it, examine it, and if it's evil, stay away from it. That's how we keep the fire going. And that goes into what he says in verse 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. So look at those two verses together. Try all things in that and keep that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. See how they go together? Try all things and keep that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Why? Because if we're going around and someone can't tell the difference between you and someone who is a Satanist, you put out the fire in your life. If someone looks at you and they can't tell the difference between you and the world, you have put out the fire in your life. We're to abstain from all appearance of evil. That means if you see something that is evil, don't do it. It's that simple. If it's going to cause the grief of the Holy Spirit within your life, don't do it. Because you're not only harming yourself spiritually, you're hurting the church. Why? Because the light of the Holy Spirit is not in this building alone. We are the ones that give the building light. Because the light of Christ shines from us. This is just a building. We're the church. We're the church. And if we grieve the Holy Spirit and we put out the light in the church, you're harming yourself and you're harming the Christians that are around you because you are helping to put out their light as well because they're going to see what you're doing and they're going to think it's okay. We're to abstain from all appearance of evil. That means we are to try everything against the Word of God and if it's evil, don't do it. Don't do it. 
We're to keep the spiritual fire lit within ourselves because when we keep it lit within ourselves, we're keeping it lit within the church. That's what Paul is telling us. We're to be joyful. We're to be prayerful. And we're to abstain from evil because we are not to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And verse 19 is what brings it all together. Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. That's a command of personal responsibility. That's a command of personal responsibility. We're responsible to not put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Do not douse the fire of God's Spirit in the church or in our life. And how do we douse the Spirit? Sin. Sin. That's how we douse the Spirit. Not following the commands of God. We douse the Spirit through doubt. We douse the Spirit through anger. We douse the Spirit through living immorally. We douse the Spirit when we do things that are evil. But it all boils down to one word. Sin. When we sin, we douse the Spirit within our life. And we douse the Spirit within the church. We're to have attitudes and practices that show we belong to God. We're not to douse the Spirit in the church or in our lives. We're to let the fire of the Spirit burn within us. Because when the Spirit is on fire within us and we are shining the light of the Spirit, the Spirit is on fire in the church. And we keep the fire going through obedience. We obey. Obedience to God and his word. And we do this by living and working for him. Keep the fire burning within your life and within the church. And you do this through obedience to the word of God. Let's stand for prayer. Most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray, Lord, that as we go into this time, if there's anyone here that needs to make any decision, that you speak to their hearts. Just continue to be with us and oversight us through love and watch care. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.